0: It's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vets, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat. We're so fortunate today to have Gillian Davidson, social media guru, owner of Green Place Social, also though a vet nurse, still doing her couple of days in practice, which is so good, and uh, I brought her on the programme today to just talk about all things social media, but also I'm sure we will find a little space to talk about Gillian and my favourite topic which of course is sustainability and environmental issues. So Gillian welcome.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Gillian perhaps before we start just um, introduce yourself to to people. I've obviously given you a little introduction there but is there anything else you want uh, everybody to know about you before we we start into the topic proper?
1: Yes so I am a social media consultant. Um, I'm also a veterinary nurse as you said I've been in practice for about 15 years now and um, I've worked in small practices and mixed practice and corporate and independent practices um, and I've always been interested in social media I remember setting up my training practices Facebook page it um, must be about 14-13 years ago and I've been a bit unsure about it but just I was interested in how you could engage with people and build a relationship with people. And I wasn't really looking at it from a marketing point of view. Almost more just my fun point of view and it was a new thing. Um so it's funny now like ten years down the line, this is now what I do. But I'm still in practice as you said and I'm still doing the social media at the same time.
0: Do you know before the pandemic hit and for several years before, I was saying that you know every business butcher baker, candlestick maker, veterinary practice has to be a digital business. And obviously what happened during the pandemic was we had to close practice down. Suddenly we were looking at digital tools, be they social media or otherwise, to get messages out there and things. And yeah. I think we saw, you know, i said, if you're not a digital business, you won't be around in 10 years. And actually mm-hmm. what the pandemic did was really squeeze that time down, that we were more and more reliant on things like Zoom, obviously social media for getting messages out apps like Pets app and BetStoria and so on for helping with booking appointments and all those sort of things. How do you think that whole kind of market of social media has that really evolved? Do you think that's changed because of the pandemic over the last two or three years?
1: Yeah. It certainly forced people to go digital who didn't want to, they realized that there was no other option at that point. So I think people embraced it more because they were forced to do it they realise it wasn't so scary, that it was fun, that it was a way to make contacts and realise it was the way we were going, pandemic or not, it was it was inevitable, that's the way we were going. Um so I think people are much more open to it and people who weren't using it before are using it. Um so yeah, it has been a positive change I think.
0: Brilliant. I mean perhaps tell us from a veterinary perspective, obviously a lot of vets and nurses plus others who'll be listening to this, what what should do you think we should be doing in in veterinary practice? What are the channels that you sort of concentrate on in your business? And I know you work with veterinary practices, but also, you know, with people like trainers and dog walkers as well. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting because, of course, there are clients. So what are the platforms that they're on? Because, of course, that then uh, dictates the sort of platforms that we should be speaking from as well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, so you don't really want to pick your platform based on what you like and who your business is. You want to be where your clients are. Mm -hmm. So if you are a vet practice and your clients are um, maybe the mums, maybe young couples, then are they more likely to be on Instagram? Maybe that's where you should go. Or maybe your clients are, older clients or potentially maybe more on Facebook. Or are you at a federal hospital and you're wanting to reach out to veterinary professionals and get them to refer to you. Possibly you should be on LinkedIn because that's where they might be as well. So you Mm. sort of have to know who your audience is and go where they are. So it does depend what business you are and also even if you're a vet practice, what kind of vet practice you are. We're blessed with content gold of animals. Um so visually you can get fantastic content from posting photographs of dogs, cats. So Instagram is quite often a key one for most of us to use.
0: I think everybody loves a good uh, pussycat meme, don't they?
1: Yep, yep. Or just dogs running in slow motion as well and their coats yeah. fluttering in the wind. <laughs> Um Yeah, so, yeah, we're very blessed to be able to put up pictures and get lots of likes from that.
0: Gillian, you obviously have done this for a long time and I think it's fascinating, you know, it often is, or it has been in the past, you know, the, the veterinary nurse, you know, the young veterinary nurse who's, knows all about that social media, go on there and you sort it out, which is obviously, you know, how you started your career. But what what are the things that you see? Because you see a lot, you must see a lot of social media, um, you know, uh, Facebook pages, Instagram pages of veterinary practice. What are the maybe three or four things that you see that you think, oh, my goodness, why are they doing that? I mean, my one is always... As vets, we want to show the really gory photograph of the operation uh, to show how clever we are that we've been able to fix mm-hmm. this. Whereas, of course, owners on the whole don't want to puppies. see those sort of pictures, do they?
1: <laughs> no, clients like to see puppies.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the things that may be practiced to do wrong, simple things, will seem simple, is even just putting images at the wrong size. So heads are cut off, text is cut off. Um, not using all the different formats on uh, platforms. So just now, really with Instagram, you should be moving more towards videos, so not maybe using video enough, um, making your captions too short, making them too long, and not using hashtags. There's lots of things you can do wrong.
0: Do you get involved point. with um, your clients with Facebook and Instagram marketing, or are you ju- just doing more sort of, um, Organic, that was the word I was yeah. word. organic. So
1: yeah. it is marketing. So with market with, with social media marketing, you've got organic marketing and you've got your paid ads, mm-hmm. so like your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, LinkedIn yeah. ads, Twitter ads. So I don't do that so much. You have specialists who deal with social media advertising. So I deal mostly with organic, but it is marketing. You could just sit there and throw loads of, loads of different posts out there, um, but you really need to have a strategy in place. So although you're not paying, adverts you still want to have a strategy in place and um, so it's working with practices and practice owners to have them focused on a strategy know what they're posting when they're posting um, and everything involving with strategy with engagements mm. and hashtags and seos so you're not just spending hours creating meals or posts and putting it out there and nothing happens which can happen to anyone you can spend ages making a reel and it bombs you just can't avoid that but if you have A strategy in place, and you follow that strategy, then it's not just a scattergun of content Mm. flying everywhere that's not landing where it should be.
0: So, are you providing for uh, your clients support with their website around blog posts as well, or are you very much just around sort of Facebook and Insta and so on?
1: Just initially, I started off just in the social media consultancy, and then I got contacted by a couple of people about blogs because they wanted blogs for their website, like someone who. Was a veterinary professional but also familiar with digital marketing and have the seo experience as well so i do that as well and um, not with more with just the blogs rather than um mailing lists or product um, descriptions uh, but it does tie together and social media and websites do tie together and yeah. um, you can have your social media to raise awareness of your brand to reach new people or to drive website traffic as well like if you've got a link to your website on your instagram and you're pushing your interesting content on your Instagram and people click on your link and take you to your website, then that's great for the business as well. So it does tie it together.
0: Did you like the way I, I sort of very subtly pushed in that sort of Insta word then, trying to sound trendy? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I noticed.
0: Was that yep, good? It was, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it, it's very natural.
0: <laughs> I think the social media is also partly, you know, to, to collect an email address, although I know email is now it's interesting, you know, do less people look at it and etc. But you can carry on the conversation then on email and, and obviously you can hopefully convert them into a into a practice client. So I remember when I set up my practice, well, a long time ago, but then obviously we were interested in the internet. And, you know, it it can very much be a way of increasing your your community, your veterinary um, size as well, can't it? You know, your number of clients and patients that you have in, in the practice, as well as the ones that you have got, keeping them happy, because some practices don't do it, and I think they're really missing out if they're not doing Facebook and Insta and so on, aren't they?
1: Yeah. I think as well you need to do both because um, it's not that uncommon that Instagram goes down that people get locked out of their accounts. So if your only way of marketing and reaching clients is through Instagram and you you lose your account, you just lost all your connections. So definitely having an email list is still hugely important, definitely.
0: Obviously we've talked about uh, veterinary practice, but there's also um, more and more in the world, there's influences in all sorts Mm -hmm. of areas. Uh, but certainly veterinary influencers. I know people like Cat the Vet who've been on the podcast have huge numbers of followers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Where do you see that fitting in and how does that differ from what we've just been talking about with general uh, veterinary practice?
1: So with thought leaders and experts and influencers, it's about you, isn't it? So you've got to put across who you are, what you stand for. Usually you've got some sort of niche, whether it's you're a, a cat vet or a behaviour nurse and you've got to put that across and getting your opinions out there so if you're trying to put yourself out there for recruitment almost it doesn't have to be that I'm going to be this huge influencer with a million followers it's just putting yourself out there showing your authority on a subject your professionalism and just putting yourself out there.
0: I think that's a really good point Gillian I mean I, I obviously you know recruit people And we also have Simply Vets, which is for um, finding locums and permanents and also providing a payroll service. And what I say to a lot of people when I've seen them is, you know, the LinkedIn profile can be so important because I go onto your LinkedIn profile. I see who you are. I see what your experience is. In some ways, that's much more powerful than a CV because the number of CVs you see and they stop five years before... (laughs) <laughs> the person's coming in for the job. Oh, I didn't put that bit in. Oh, okay. LinkedIn becomes something that you can add um, articles that you've done, presentations that you've done, mm-hmm. and also, you know, importantly, recommendations. So I really like the recommendation piece where mm-hmm. often if I was interviewing somebody, if you like them at the end of the process, you say, Well, can I have a referee? Whereas mm-hmm. if you've got 10 LinkedIn profiles, Recommending you, and they're not all your mate and your mum and your dad and things. Then, you know, I think this is hugely significant, isn't it? As well,
1: yeah. yeah. And even thinking back to the other way of using LinkedIn and social media to put yourself out there looking for employment as well. A business, like it's really hard just now, as we know, to recruit vets into the practices. But if you've got a wonderful social media platform where you're showing the level of the work you do, what your practice looks like, that your staff are having fun, that they are well trained, that they seem happy, that you're a nice looking practice, then you can attract talent to your practice as well. So it works both ways, actually. Definitely. Do you want to become a part of the largest online veterinary community in the world? The Webinar Vets membership is the perfect tool to easily complete your veterinary CPD or CE. Watch webinars anytime, any place on any connected device. Become a member today and explore our library of over 2000 premium quality webinars. We also care about the environment as well as your CPD or CE. That's why we plant trees for every one of our members. To find out more, visit thewebinarvet.com forward slash memberships or click on the membership tab on our website.
0: You you mentioned a little bit before and I'll pick up on it if I may uh, about video marketing about using video rather than static pictures or or text yeah what are you doing there in that space at the moment what's what's interesting you in video marketing and how do you use that
1: so instagram have really taken the jump and facebook who are are the same thing really to use reels. wheels um, they're extending the length of a real can be there as well um, and they're really pushing reels. so Um, you'll see more reels put up in your feed, on your suggested posts. Um, So it's just jumping on trends, which is really important for using reels. Um, So using trending music, using trending um, um, transitions as well, filters, just following that is is where you should be going. Um, And it's trying to stay true to who you are and who your brand is as well. Like it might not be appropriate for us in practice to do uh, outfit transition. Because I think people want to think was professional, um, but you can certainly find trends that you can jump on, and it's just been kind of up to date on what is trending and following it. Yeah, but that's not to say that there's no room for carousels and um, graphic posts as well. Like that's still important. Um, some people do all fields, um, but there's definitely room to still do the more traditional posts.
0: You you haven't mentioned, <coughs> and I think it's an interesting platform. My wife is a. Is a teacher and is completely obsessed by Twitter because okay, a lot yeah. of the, uh, the the education experts are on there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: my little concern with Twitter is what you like is what you then see, so it can end up, you know, you don't you're not seeing a balanced picture of things. But w- what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on Twitter?
1: I think as a thought leader then Twitter's a great place to be. Um, That's where a lot of conversation happens. A lot of journalists are there. A lot of politicians are there. A lot of professionals are there as well. Um, Depends on who your clients are, where your clients are there. If we are looking at it from a marketing point of view, are your clients on Twitter? Maybe they're not. If they are, then that's where you should be engaging with them. But I do think a lot of clients are going to be on Facebook and Instagram. Um, So again, it depends who you are, what you're marketing and where your audience is, that's where you go.
0: I think, as you said, I think certainly we do surveys every year on, on uh, some of these trends, you know, with our, with our community. And certainly Facebook is the big behemoth. Obviously Instagram belongs to Facebook and of course they're connected Mm -hmm. now. So if you, Mm -hmm. if you um, post on Facebook, it will often get linked up to, to, to uh, Instagram. Um, But as you were saying, LinkedIn is very much more than for that professional if you're looking for a job or you want to connect with other vets, maybe as a referral vet, that's a really good space to be in as well, isn't it? So they probably are the main three, aren't they?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you can almost divide it into the professional side might be Twitter and LinkedIn and the more client focused side would be Facebook and Instagram. Um, some people will try and cover all of them. The other one we've not mentioned is TikTok as well, which is the new one. Which again, for pets, that's where a lot of clients are. So TikTok, TikTok is all video. That's where the views came from. Instagram yes. stole TikTok's idea. Um, so some people will create on either Instagram or TikTok and then just share it onto each platform. Um, they tell us the algorithm doesn't like that. It doesn't like seeing the little watermark. Um, but if it makes it easier for you to try and post on both platforms, then it will still get seen, it will still do okay. Um, And some people will try and be on all the platforms, um, but that's more than the full-time job to create content for all the platforms, to all the engagements, um, and is it a good way to spend your time and your money on five platforms? Maybe you should just focus on one or two.
0: No, I agree. And I think you must have been reading my mind because I was about to ask you about TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, because actually it's something that we're going to start doing a little bit of just to, Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, this is the other thing. If a new platform does come along, there's nothing wrong with having a little experiment and seeing if there is some traction, because Mm -hmm. if something is really, as you say, following a trend, then you probably find out fairly quickly. Is it like it's tumbleweed going across the screen or do you pick up followers and things very quickly? Mm -hmm. So you can test things out before. You know, you've not made a big commitment in money. You can try little things out and experiment. And I think that's a big part of of this whole digital world is it's mm-hmm. much easier to experiment and, and try little things, isn't it? Yeah.
1: You should always test things and then reflect on it and see did it work? You know, if you look at your insights and your analytics of your posting, mm. you'll see what worked, what didn't work, was it the time of day I posted, was it the kind of content I posted. So yeah, testing is a huge part of it and seeing what works for the post or what platform is is working for you so you can focus your time and your effort where it's going to pay off for you.
0: Because I think again talking about video we've obviously got Facebook and Insta and TikTok the the big you know start of that whole video um, revolution was of course YouTube Mm -hmm. but YouTube is really more for longer term things and it's more for knowledge whereas a Facebook video will often be quite short or Twitter, I think is only 22 seconds. It's, how do you see, does YouTube fit in anywhere? Is that, are you using that with anyone?
1: It's not strictly social media. Although you do have the comment section now, people do comment, it's more about putting content out there and letting it sit there rather than engaging. I think as well, we forget that social media is social. So you're meant to not just put content out and then just walk away and leave it. It's about engaging with your followers, reaching out to other people's content, Um, Whereas YouTube's more of a standalone, here's my content, enjoy it and let me know what you think about it.
0: I think that's a really excellent point because, you know, you see a post quite a lot, you'll like it. And then if you really like it, you might leave a little comment. But Mm -hmm. it was fascinating during the pandemic, I, I spent a lot of time playing my guitar, working on the principle that it was good for my mental health. Um, if people didn't like it, they didn't have to listen to it. But actually, the number of people who came to me sort of post and said, I really enjoyed that, you know, you haven't been doing it as much, and etc. But perhaps hadn't liked or left a comment, so I wasn't even really aware. But obviously, they there are also, in the world, there are the curtain twitchers. My wife is one of those in Facebook where she looks, but she doesn't really get involved as well. So we shouldn't kind of be too obsessed, I suppose, by... Likes and comments, should we?
1: Yeah, vanity metrics. No, vanity metrics just make you feel good that someone's liked it. But it's not just about liking it; it's about whether it landed in someone's feed, whether they saw it. That still is worthwhile to you. Whether mm. it was there. So, again, if you go into your analytics and your insights, you can look at it and see how many people um, saw it, how many people liked it, how many people commented on it. And the more people that see it, like it, and comment on it, will then send it on to other people. The algorithm will yeah. pick up on that as well. But so no. We shouldn't just focus on the vanity metrics, um, but everyone likes a like, don't they?
0: Everyone likes a like, but it, it's yeah. um, I think it's good. You almost do you, do you think you can talk about a wide range of topics, or do you think you should be known for one or two topics?
1: Yeah, you want to be consistent with what you talk about. People like consistently, you know, it's like having a friend who you know what kind of chat you get from them, you know, what kind of Clothes are going to be wearing, you just know what you get from them. You don't want to meet them one day and they're talking about this, and then the next day, something completely Mm. different doesn't make you feel secure. It's weird, doesn't it? So, no, you want to have your strategy in place where you know what you're talking about. So, it keeps you focused on what you're posting, doesn't leave you wandering around thinking, What can I post Mm. about? And also, your audience, your followers, your potential clients feel familiar with you and they know what to expect from you, and they'll come back for more. So, yeah, have maybe four or five sort of subject areas and then focus on those.
0: Hmm. No, it's a really good point. I think to finish, you know, I'm trying to lead in in the veterinary profession to help it regenerate to become a more sustainable, uh, environmentally friendly space. And I know you're very passionate about that as well. And I loved your story that you told me uh, before we did the um, podcast about the the recycling point that you put in the Mm -hmm. practice. So perhaps tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so about four or five years ago I think I just really decided to change how I was at home and with using plastic bottles to get our milk now gets delivered in the glass bottle um, and following on from that I got the TerraCycle set up at my works where people could bring in their pet food pouches and then it would get taken away and recycled in, and the plastic was used to make uh, park benches and things so it was really good. Um, so that was great, I loved doing it, uh, we don't do it anymore unfortunately But um, it was fantastic to see the amount of clients and non-clients that were wanting to make a difference as well, and they were coming to us to bring it in. And it was wonderful. We had charities bringing us cat food pouches as well. So, um, and it really made you see that if they hadn't been bringing it to us, it was just going to landfill. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean the pouches are a problem, and we are talking to the companies because I think you know we need to have more of an obligation if we're creating the waste. In other words, we're making the food, I think we do need to be looking at where those things go. Because they used to be in aluminium tins, which is eminently recyclable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. And I know some places are, are better at that than than others, but um, it's interesting that obviously from an environmental perspective, it's absolutely the right thing to do. But it's interesting that there were people, you know, within that practice that were perhaps a bit less keen about it. Mm-hmm. I was speaking earlier and depending on when these podcasts get uh, published to a solar um, panel producer in Canada, mm-hmm. I've, I've had solar panels um, for 14 years and I did it because it was just the right thing to do. And I, I don't understand all the science and I've got my, uh, one of my uh, team, he's actually put solar panels in and he's a bit of a geek and he's been looking at the battery and buying energy at certain times and all these fancy things but actually um, now it's becoming much more so the solar panel guy was saying when well, we're not selling it on it's the right thing to do it makes sense from a from a, a, an economic perspective as well which, which I think is really important and I think we've got to try and encourage people that it's the right thing to, it's the right thing to do but actually economically it makes sense to wow. do some of these things and with that particular example you know, that was obviously bringing people into the practice, awareness, mm-hmm. they were seeing what lovely facilities you had. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you got some new clients out of that particular mm-hmm. project that you did.
1: Yeah, it just created extra footfall as well for us as yeah. well, you know, people were just coming in to, the baby were our clients, they went to the one down the road, but they would come in to drop it off with us, so yeah, yeah. it was great. It just, it was, the volume we got was incredible um yes we were filling up wheelie bins like um every week at least and it yeah. it was then it was a lot of time and effort to do so that was kind of why um it got stopped but it was it yeah it was great for the environment and it was great for bringing people into the practice as well so it worked in both ways mm.
0: i think maybe it is, i'll try
1: to bring it back
0: what i've heard from people is that because TerraCycle has been on its own for a long time it's been quite expensive whereas i think it's more people come into that space it probably will become more sensible but it's definitely one that we should be talking to our pet food suppliers about and saying mm-hmm. come on get yourselves together on this because yeah. this is important yeah
1: it didn't cost us anything the pet food one was sponsored by mars i think oh, so brilliant. when i first looked at it it was buying the box for 200 pounds but then um by the time i got around to organizing it it was sponsored by uh, definitely Mars and one of the
0: captive pouches I think um, fantastic so it was it was win-win yeah. brilliant Gillian it's it's great to have you on and, and thank you for all that you're doing in that green space but obviously on the social media it's such a fascinating area but it's an area that um, vets and nurses and, and practices that don't put some energy and effort into it are missing out on a real treat aren't they we, we've done social media training in the past and if it's free you get people on and if you ask them to pay for it (laughs) and nobody turns up Mm -hmm. which I've always felt has been a mistake because it's a real opportunity for the practice it shows the practices forward thinking Mm -hmm. and it's a huge way of um, engaging not only with your own clients but also with potential people who maybe just are looking for a, a practice or, or whatever as well although at the moment I suppose practices are very busy so maybe they don't want more
1: maybe that's what it is yeah no people use social media to search the way they would search google yeah. they'll search vet practice and instagram and find one close to them and if you're not on it your competitors are on it so they'll yeah. go there instead yeah. oh that's
0: really interesting yeah Gillian, I will let you get back to uh posting and i look forward to uh seeing when we get this podcast on uh how we uh how we manage to uh getting around the profession so that they can hear us as well.
1: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for chatting to me. Really enjoyed it, thank you.
0: Thanks, Gillian. Thanks everyone for listening. It's Anthony Chadwick, it's uh the Bet Chat Podcast. Thank you.